Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Good evening, good morning, good after, whatever time of day it is. Welcome to this week's episode of Kill Me Now. I am so excited. Now, I this is my first kind of repeat guest. I've never had anyone on twice. Wow. Yes, but... She's so amazing. She was on with her husband, who's some people may know, some people may not know. Some well, people know. Funny. I was kidding. Oh God, she's not even laughing at me. I begged her to be on this show again. By the okay. way, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Jeannie Gaffigan. Woo! Thank you very much. Thank you, Judy. Jeannie Gaffigan, um, who is the greatest. You're an actress, you're a writer, you're a producer, you're a... Uh, director. Director. Mother. Mother. Uh, abused wife. Abused wife. You're also, you also have a charity that you chair? Or yes, a an organization. organization. Yes, charitable and, organization. And you're just amazing. You're, you are Jeannie Gaffigan. Do you know Jim Gaffigan? Um, I have run into him a few times. Like in your house or just outside, you know? Um, in my house. I run oh. into him occasionally. Oh, okay. He lives with here. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. By the way, we are recording in Jeannie's unfucking believable home. Like It's like crazy. MTV Cribs, but better. But it, it's crazy. I mean, but it's great. I love it. And you're in a really good area. I'm not giving the address, but it's a really good area. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Now, Jeannie, you know, as when I had you on last time with your husband, I kind of don't get mad. Okay. But I found you more fascinating. I mean, I'd known him for so long and we were having, we were talking and I'm like, oh my God, you have such a fucking story. 
He introduced us, though, so we have to at least give him that I credit. I love him. I love the guy. You know, Jim, you know, I just, I hope your career, you know, moves in the right direction because you're really funny. I know. Anyway. Um, How fun was it when you did our show a couple uh, times? Wait, so I think I did it three times. Yeah. So your kids go to a, a parochial school. So, some of them go to a parochial school. Some of them go to a non-parochial school. Yeah, a fancy, you know. It's all fancy. Right. And you asked me to do, the, you know, we all, all the comedians do benefits for their kids' school. So Jeannie, of course, does everything. So she was putting together this benefit for the school. and Catholic school. Catholic school. And I'm like, they're going to hate me because I'm like Jewy Jew. And she's like, they're going to love you. And I've done it three times. Yeah, I they lo- it's the best love audience. I, it is the best audience. They're good, the greatest. Are they all Catholic? I, I mean, some, mostly. Yeah, there's some so. non-Catholics, and also that it's not like that school is more like culturally Catholic, right? Um, but they love the Jew stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I had Father James Martin on my podcast. He is amazing. I I was on him. his show. Oh, really? I was. But, but I'm friends with. Well, them. I I had a brain tumor, so what? Yeah, that's what the book is about, Judy. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. How did we not know that? That's what the book is about that you Guys, supposedly read. did you know that? Wow. Well, you look good for having Thank a you. brain tumor. Thank you. So I want to start from the beginning. I really okay, do. I want great. to start from the beginning. So you, you grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's right. And you, ha- you are the eldest Yes. Of nine fucking kids. Thank you for using the word eldest instead of oldest because it starts to get oppressive when people start calling you the oldest all yeah, the time. Yeah, now, you're the eldest of nine kids. Yes. You know, what I find fascinating is that you're, you're the eldest of nine kids. Most people who are the eldest of a large family do not want to have kids. And yet you have five children. Yes. So, now... Doing some reading on you. First of all, I know your family's very close and they're amazing. Um, but I, I, was it your si- your brother? One of your brothers? Wait, I have them. I don't know if it was Paul or Patrick. We're like, she was always, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. And I'm doing it now. And I'm, do- you know, just driven, driven, driven. Like from the minute you came out. Yeah, I came out driven. Now. <laughs> um. What, can you tell me a little, wait, I know your father was a theater and a film critic. That's right. For a newspaper. That's right. Yeah. And. I should do some research. I always do research. Do you think that's what got you into the whole, do you, did your father get you into it? Was, did your mother have, she couldn't have had an outside job, did she? No. She Thank didn't. God. She was pregnant and nursing my entire life. You can imagine if I'm the eldest, right? right. Nurse nine. So what's it, how many years span of the nine kids? Fifteen years. So you're fifteen and your mother's pregnant. Yeah, I'm in high school, and like like lots of girls in my high school were also pregnant. So I was. <laughs> it was. Did you go to weird. a Catholic high school? No, I went to public. Um, but you know what's so funny is like I always thought you shouldn't have kids. If your kids that you already have know how to have kids. That's a kind of a good rule. But there's also like the, the, you know, accident babies. Right. 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 So it's like, I remember one time I was at, you know, the OGYN and I was pregnant and I was fretting because I was like 35 and I was pregnant. They were like, they call it a geriatric pregnancy, by the way. Have you ever heard that? 35? Yeah. It's called a geriatric preg- pregnancy. Okay, and, they're like, and I was a geriatric pregnancy. Okay, so well, uh, most people who live in New York are. It's like only the people and who- And Jews. Jews can have babies into their like mid-40s. Oh my gosh, my, my, oh, that's, that's a good- a Jubel. Oh, Jubel, okay. Yeah. Do I get a Jubel too if I bring up Jews? Oh, anything with the, that mentions anything Jewish. I need to let people know that we actually contribute to the world because everyone hates us. Go ahead. Okay, um, well, um, I don't hate Jews. There we go. Okay, so I get the hang of it. Um, so anyway, I was in my um, doctor's office pregnant. And I also want to tell you that because I know a lot about um, the whole like Jewish like fertility thing. Yeah. Because I had all my babies at home. And so you my- did? Yeah. 
So my midwife is like the biggest like Jewish uh, midwife in like the Hasidic community in Brooklyn because none of them can go to the hospital because it's not like Ugh. clean or whatever. All right, I can't but, with the Hasidim. But listen, though. All right, go ahead. No, well, ring the She's bell again Hasidic. because you're, you're putting hate on the Jews. So Sorry, two bells I mean, to they're you. they're not really Jewish. Okay. But whatever. So... But there I mean, are people that have, they have their babies at home. And so they get married really young yeah. and just keep having babies right. until they're like 55 or right. whatever. So um, anyway, great midwives because they have a lot of experience with home births. She's not Jewish though. Miriam Schwartzchild. <laughs> anyway, so um, <laughs> back to me. I was in the OBGYN office and I went into my appointment fretting because someone told me that because I was 35, I was going to have like a baby with like three heads and I was geriatric and whatever. And I expressed this uh, concern to my OBGYN. He said, the woman who was sitting in the lobby is 55 years old, thought she was through menopause, was had came in for a routine uh, pap smear yeah. is pregnant, has grandkids, and oh. randomly an egg was like, hello. So it's like, what? Yeah, it happens. That's when you go, I have to kill myself well, right now. I mean, maybe you, but I think that's pretty cool. Right. I just, like, because I'm your whole sex, I don't, I'm like, if I had a kid, if I, well, I'm a lesbian, so it's not happening, but if I, you know, got pregnant. Hooked up yeah. with some guy And I got pregnant. Randomly. I would be like, I bring my kids in. I go, you, you know, you're in your 20s. One's in their in his 20s. Like, can you take care of this kid? Because I need to relax. I need to, <laughs> yeah, have you. Yeah, get, I'm done. I'm yeah. done with that. All right. Wow. So she's. So what I'm saying is, yes. is your little rule about if your kids are old enough to have kids or whatever. It's like. You can't sometimes help it. Like, Yes. I, you know, I get it. There's a surprise. Um, no, I just always thought like when when you know I was in high school or something, and one of the parents, I was like, now you know your parents have se-. like it was just a thing. All right, whatever. No, it so- was, but actually, I had a friend who got pregnant like within a year of my mom having Elizabeth, my youngest no. sister. Yeah, and then years later, she was friends like at school with my friend's kid. Wow. Yeah. So it was weird, and then also, by the way. There was another family. This has nothing to do with my brain tumor, which is why I'm here. But um, Wait, you had a brain tumor? You know what? I wrote a book about it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Wow, yeah, I had no idea. So um, that's why I'm here, to tell you about it. Really? Okay. This family across the street had like a big Catholic family. Right. And, and bizarre, in a bizarre turn of events, there was a divorce, which is very rare in the Catholic community. Right. Usually you just like... The Catholic Living. divorce is the mother dies of cancer. Right. So, um, <laughs> I literally just made that up. I'm sorry. That was kind of rude. No, um, it wasn't. but so anyway, so she got remarried and got pregnant with grown kids and her daughter and she got pregnant at the exact same time. So they both, they had, and she lived with her mom because she got divorced too. Oh my God. Lived with her mom. So they were a mother and daughter, pregnant, had the babies. Kids were best friends, but it was like aunt and niece, but they were like sisters. Right. It was a very bizarre situation. That is really mental. But it was also a blessing. Right. Because it's like, oh God, you and your positive attitude. I can't take it. Now, do you know, can you name all of the siblings in your family really fast? Um, sure. Okay. It's um, Felicia, Paul, Vincent, Danielle, Patrick, Maria, Michelle, and Elizabeth. Wow. Who's your favorite? Oh, I, you know, I, I have a favorite aspect of all of them. There's oh, a God. favorite part I can't of all with of them. you and your create, perfection. A, like to create a perfect human being, I have could take a piece of all of them. Okay. I'm going to vomit because this is so nice. Okay. Were you popular in school? Very important question. Um, I kind of was like infamous. So I was popular, but not in a good way. Like, did you, what, what did you do? Like, how did the infamy come about? Um, well, I think that when I started high school, I was a very, very friendly and I was, um, kind of, um, probably too friendly because you have to be kind of like unfriendly in school to be cool. Right. 
And so I got kind of a reputation my freshman year as like a dizzy blonde. I like right. they called me like di- dippy blonde, dizzy right. blonde and stuff like that because I was very friendly. Right. And then so I started to really, really get my feelings hurt by being called a dippy blonde. So I started to be mean. Good. Yeah. So I started to, and I started to like write songs, poetry and raps about people I didn't like and disseminate them widely. But how did you, because we didn't have social media, thank the We passed notes. We passed nice. notes around. Nice. Yeah. So, but you had friends. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, I had friends. But, right. But, you know, I was kind of, I kind of was, in, in my senior year, I realized that I was, I had been kind of a bitch and I wanted to make friends with everyone. Did you go, did you ever go back to your high school reunion and... Um, I, you know what? Every time there's a high school reunion, I swear to God, I'm either giving birth, right. filming something. Right. I, so I just don't have that. But I, I've been in contact with the committee right, and things right, like right. that. And, um, I hated high school. I got, te- I got, yeah, it was horrible. Um, were you a good student? Um, I was a really good student in college. In high school, I really found ways to get decent grades right. without doing any work. So right. no, I wasn't on yeah, a good student. Yeah. So did you hate having all those, like, was there a yes. point in your life where you were like, I, you know, I, I was want- extremely jealous of right. people who had small families. Right. Because I would always say, dad, if you didn't have all these kids, we would have so much more money. Our car would be nicer. I would have nicer clothes. And I always kind of looked around at other people being like, I'm so jealous of people who have small families because they have so much more stuff, so much more attention. Their parents are all fretting all the time about whether or not they're going to get into the college. And it was like survival of the fittest at my house. But looking back, I am so happy that I had the big family. And I I see how it all makes sense now. And actually, I uh, recently found out that, you know, Karen Burgreen, you know, Karen. Oh, my God, Karen. I love her. I got some info from her. We're really good friends. It's about me. Maybe. Okay. Anyway, so Karen and I are really good friends. Right. And she was, um, always came to the hospital. Right. To visit me. And she, cause she and I have kids the same age. So right. we've had like the play dates where we like drink wine and stuff and yeah. the kids run around for years. We were both, I was pregnant with Jack and she was pregnant with Teddy at the right. same time. So, and we saw each other auditions at gym and we yeah. just connected and so anyway, Karen is an old friend of mine, but she never really told me that she judged the fact that I had so many kids until she admitted, you know, to me right. that she, during my illness and my recovery, my, all my siblings came. She they told all me that. Came. That's what she told me. And they were amazing. That's what and, she said. And it was like, you know, when you are part of like a big communal situation right. you're like I gotta run here can you watch my kid and all this stuff you just trust everyone and they're all family yes. and you have like that's how it was it was like a big holiday except the holiday that was being celebrated was that was I was almost dying yeah. yeah and Karen was like I finally get why you had five kids mm-hmm. I understand it now in a way that I never understood do, it before do you, do you, I'm sure you meet all these families and they have one kid and to me like alright so I'm one of three and my my mother was one of three, but her brother was killed when he was 15. And her and my aunt made a pact that they would each have three kids so that there was, you know, two left in case something happened. Wow, that's a yeah. pretty intense worldview. Yeah. But they I mean, I think that other. back in the day, people would have like 13 kids because like six of them would die of right, like pneumonia. Right, of course. Hey everyone, you know what I just did? I tore, I poured, and I enjoyed a packet of Liquid IV. Because I love Liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life. And I just worked out with my trainer. And I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra. 
that has a little green tea in it. And so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And you know, it's getting warmer out. And what does that mean? Summer. Oh God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor, and I love them. And they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak, turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. Now, was your family religious? Is that why they had nine kids? Um, Catholic, yeah, yeah. My mom, but my dad is was a very like he's of the he's a very Jewish personality, right? Even though he he was we were he was Catholic. We, I have an amazing story of of oh how, go go yeah no he didn't have to convert because his mother converted because <gasps> no I know I know I was really <laughs> lambasted in Israel. In Israel, I was like, yeah, I'm part Jewish. And then they were like, are you still Jewish? I'm like, no. And they were like, get out. So um, <laughs> it was not good. Uh, um, but shirt. okay, yeah. well, let me just finish one story All first. Right, because I just want to say that there was a period of time in high school where I was like, I would never even have one kid. I've done my time with right. the diapers and all that stuff. Because yeah. my mom... I am like type A and my mom is like free range parenting. Like she was like free to be you and me era. She was? Yeah. She was not organized, okay. like no lists, right. you know, and, but she was like a creative storyteller. Right. So we would go to the park and we'd go in the woods and she'd be like, you're, she'd make up characters for everyone. I Just love her. completely creative uh, genius, but not like production oriented. Right. My father, production oriented, like three jobs, taught film at UWM, yeah. was doing reviews, wrote a column, um, very intellectual books right. everywhere, um, and very quiet about whether or not he believed in God or not. Okay. Went to mass, but was much more of a secular intellectual. Right. Um, but so why got did married. his mother convert? Okay, here we go. So back in the uh, in Germany, yes, um, pre World War II. Yes, I okay. If we take it back a little, come yes, back with this me. This is before the world. Yes. Okay. My um, uh, grandfather, my my non Jewish grandfather, my okay. father's father, was an anti Nazi propaganda uh, rebel. Okay, and he wrote watch out, this guy is no good. Right. And there was, a, in Berlin, there was a big uprising um, in the underground about right. how horrible this Hitler thing was. And there yeah. was a lot of people being like, what are you talking about? It's fine. We're going right. to get money or whatever it was. And so he got put on a hit list. Right. Also, one of the things that was very um, dangerous is that he married a Jewish woman. Right. And um, who was a full practicing Jewish right. family and everything like that. And so when the shit started to hit the fan, Elena Fels, her name was. Oh, okay. And so she and he were um, targets, especially him because he was he published novels about right. uh, in German about how awful Hitler was and pamphlets and all this stuff. 
So um, when um, the shit hit the fan and like people started getting shot and stuff like that, um, they had like this whole like underground railroad escape network, right. but they had to, they had to be separated. Right. So my, at the time, my grandmother had two boys, my uncles, and he had to go in hiding one place and she had to go hiding another place. So where she was hiding was in a Catholic monastery run by Dominican priests. Oh, okay. And so she disguised as the housekeeper. Right. So like when the soldiers would come in and stuff like that, she was like sweeping the floor and whatever, right. like, a, like a nun's outfit. or I don't know how right. they hit her. But anyway, the funny, skip ahead, skip ahead. My grandfather would sneak in occasionally and have like conjugal visits. Right, right. So one and day, the nuns watched because they were. There like, was no oh, nuns. Oh, it was right. Dominican priests. Oh right, okay. So, <laughs> so, I mean, and I'm just saying. I mean, right. I'm not trying to like air yes, my grandparents' dirty laundry, but this is part of the story. So he would visit his wife. Let's right. just say he would visit his wife, and one day, she turned up pregnant. And the Dominican priests were like, we got to get you to France and to America ASAP because it's going to look like we got the housekeeper pregnant right. because there's no other men around oh, right, here. right, 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 right. Because right? he snuck in the basement right. tunnels or whatever. And, um, but anyway, so during this period of time, because my grandmother was an opera singer. What? Yeah, she was an opera singer. This but is amazing. Because this whole thing is though, when, when, when the Nazis occupied Germany. Yeah. All the Jewish uh, people were, it, it wasn't like they were you know, struggling and oh, no, they, they were, were the top of, the whole, of society. Right, exactly. Professors, opera singers, Oh, yeah, musicians. doctors, yes. Yeah. Art, art, and they art just Berlin got yanked, was like the art capital of the world. They got yanked yeah. out of their jobs. Right. And thrown on trains. Yeah. It was like unbelievable. Right. And so anyway, but so in order to keep her art going, she became part of this like liturgical Catholic music. Wow. So she learned all the, you know, she was posing as a Catholic. Right. And really as a musician, because she was very not religious, she fell in love with the music. Right. So anyway, yeah, she way got, better than our music. Oh my God. I can't compare. I, I don't know a lot about Jewish music. Okay. But I mean, like really complicated, right. like classical yeah, church music, music. So anyway, she escaped through Paris, reunited with my uh, grandfather in New York um, in the, you know, 1943 right. or whatever it was. Thank God they got out. To start yeah. the new life and came in as a Catholic right. family, even though he was a Lutheran and she was a Jew. Right. That was their like cover story. Right. And um, also then my, by the way, the pregnancy was my father. So that's very exciting. Right, His name is Dominic after the Dominican Oh, I love that. Priest. So she continued, like her connections were through like churches. Right, right. So that's how she got her and jobs. Where, where and did they, they come New to? New York and, City. Oh, New York did City, come yeah. To, through, El, through Ellis Island? Through Ellis Island. Wow, yeah. that's so awesome. Yeah. But like in the 40s. Right. And then did they move to Wisconsin? Or? Well, what happened was is they moved, they lived in New York. Right. There's a long story. I mean, there's a huge story there. With this the, is your next book. This yeah. is my next book. I mean, actually, my, I think my brother Paul is going to write this book. Oh, okay. Actually, he's an author as well, published. Paul is a uh, New Yorker cartoonist yes, as well. Yes, he is. And published author. He's a, he wrote a, he's a three book. really not that smart. Go no, ahead. No, they're kind of basic. Yeah. So anyway, um... So anyway, so she went. She raised her kids Catholic. They went to Catholic school and all this stuff, and basically betrayed the Jews. Are you, I'm just thinking you're mad that I just put my feet on this thing, but it's so. No, I was pointing at I the know, bell, which you were kind of like. Cue was late. Like I know because I was like, timing. "Oh my god, is she th looking at my?" Feet? No, I was I looking know. at the okay, bell. I got you. All right. Um, but anyway, it's a great story. Uh, you have to write another book or a screenplay. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to you. Okay, so to you go to Marquette. You um, come here. Do you come here right after? I did an internship at the Milwaukee Repertory Theater, mm. and then I quickly moved to New York. And you started out as a stage actress. You did sketch comedy. Yes. And you created Shakespeare 
in the uh, playground. On the on playground, the playground. Yeah. on the playground. Which was How a, old were you when you created Shakespeare on the pr- playground? Um, 24, 25. Okay. So you created a way of bringing, you know, giving kids knowledge about theater and bringing them together and, and you know, by teaching them Shakespeare plays on the, on the playground. Y- yes. And you're 24 years old. Yes. Okay, that's not normal, Jeannie. Well, here's the thing. I really always had this kind of vision. Right. And um, I was really scared. Did you see that really weird documentary, Theranos on... No. Is okay. it good? Well, it's this crazy vision lady who has this vision, and it's like she doesn't make any sense, but like people like it's like under her spell. And I was like, oh, no, am I like that? But then I realized... I You're think a that, cult leader. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, no, because most people don't follow me. That's the right. whole thing. They're like, you're crazy. I'm, I'm out. But anyway, so I had, the other thing was, is I, selfishly, I have a need to do it. So it's not right. like I'm like, oh, I'm so generous because I have this like need, which is also something I discovered through this, this brain tumor is that right. I, was, I was like, oh, I'm making all these sacrifices for everyone. And I've given up my career for Jim right. and I've did a, and I've given up my life for these kids and then I realized, oh no, I want, I like it. Right. Yeah, I love it. Right. It's selfish. Yeah. It's my ego. Yeah. That was kind of the. That's kind of the. Oh god. You don't I even have to get to, the book uh, now. So. You, I just wanted to teach kids about production. Right. It's just amazing what you've done. Like it's fucking amazing how smart and talented you are. Jeez. Oh, um, you co-wrote the animated show Pale Force. You. Yeah. Have work you like a lot of people don't know this, but you co-write with Ch- like you guys let me are be, a team. Let me just be. I just want to be like kind of humble for a second. You know that it's Jim's voice, right? He oh, comes up with all. It is so Jim. I've no. Yeah, it's of like course. I like tag. I like help. I like right. mold. But it's not like I'm like writing fifty percent of. Oh no, jokes. no no no! But I'm just saying you are such a big part of it and. Especially with the Jim Gaffigan show. Well, it that was, was different because that was a character named Jeannie. It was balanced. I know. It was, it a, was a, had it, Did you? So you're doing J- Jim Gaffigan show. Yeah. And you hire this woman to play you. Was yeah. it weird having... Well, like, why? Did you want to play yourself? Okay, well, let me tell you when I hear the story. This is like, I'm, I'm going... Gee, this is inside baseball right okay. now. This is like deep Woo! state stuff. Okay. So when Jim and I first wrote this show, and, or a... a, a version of this show it was going to be a single camera like low budge right like a scripted reality show with both of us playing each other our kids running around the small better it was like it was a very great marketing idea it's like a loose we have the comedians come in right it's like oh judy's here again and it was just gonna be brilliant so anyway we were working on that with nbc right and that year i think Roseanne and Sarah Silverman both also had pilots, which didn't get made, but they bought them instead of ours. So we didn't get on that pilot season. Right. So then the next year we went back and CBS was interested, but CBS is more like, and this star is going to play your wife. Oh, right, of course. So the first one was um, Mira Servino played Jeannie. They were like, they were like, you know, I co- have a, uh, well, I, uh, I, comedy award winning or Academy Award winning best actress for comedy. And okay, first of all, they wanted someone more famous than Jim to kind of. I, I hate this part of the business. Yeah, it's like that that um, what should we call it? Prom, where they're going to now do the the TV show of the musical Prom that was on Broadway, and they hire only stars when you could take these people who originated the characters and make them stars. Right. You know, it's just what I it's just okay. the way it, it, it's it's just the way it is. You know so my friend I, Wendy Liebman? Yes. She wrote wrote a whole thing and they wanted someone to play Wendy. But this like, is a, we did know. a whole episode about that on the Jim Gaffigan show right. where Jim had to audition to play himself. Right. And I actually played the bitchy casting director right. on that episode. I love where I was that. like, it's not really I don't really feel that you're right understanding this character. Like right. it was just Did you laugh? During, during the, the Yeah. During the filming? Yeah. Or no, during the writing of it, we laughed. Oh, okay. But it's like, we then I was like really mean to him. Right. God, and dismissive. So good. It was really fun. Um, wait, so they wanted Mira Sorvino to yes. play you. They, oh, they cast her to play me. 
Oh, they did cast her. I mean, I think we, there was a test, but it was right. like, kind of like, this is who's playing. Was there any chemistry? Between I mean, two? I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, disparage anything, but it's like, I, I'm thinking they're, I mean, she's a lovely yeah, person. Yeah, oh my God, so, I love her, um, but she, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, to me, it's like, it didn't work for a number of reasons. Right. Um, and in the very rare development, CBS said, listen, we want you to recast this role. And we're going to make it again. So they didn't can't, They didn't say no. That's, they were like, okay. we believe in this project. And then who did they cast? So then I got bumped up as an executive producer and saw 200 actresses. Wow. Yeah. And because the nice, whole thing wait, is. Were you nice in the casting process? Because I was super nice. They are. They can be so mean. I will. I was mean. I mean, I think I might have been like eventually developed into a mean person. Right. Like later when I was casting the show, only because like the door closes and then you discuss the situation. Right. You're like, did they, you'd think they would look at the sides before they come in. Oh, you know, right. there's like that kind of stuff oh, that yeah. goes on. It's, I know. P- yeah. I and guess. then I also was like, I, I never want to audition again after I hear what I know, people right? talk about in the room when yeah. you leave. It's not good. Like, anyway, what was the worst thing you heard in the room? I mean, what it's the worst thing you hear in any room when someone leaves. You know, it's like, what was going on with that? I was going one way and the other. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like things that you would like never want ass. to see. Yeah, yeah, well, I no, know. I don't think there was ever a fat ass. But um, because, Whatever. you know, Jim was in the room. So yeah. it, it could never yeah. say that. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow, or find an awesome template. No judgment. Anyway, I was in a predicament because it's like a lot of the young comic actresses didn't want to play someone with five kids because they felt like then they would not be able to play like the young ingenue anymore. Oh my God. And then the ones that were dying to play it were too old. Right. And um, also there was, if they were too smart and too like savvy then it just looked like Jim was like a total idiot and right. like um, mentally ill. Right. So there had to be a somebody that had they, basically I was looking for myself. Right. Because it was like I, the person has to be crazy enough to have five kids in New York right. City, of course, and be flawed because right. if they're too perfect, then he just looks like a schlub yeah. and abu- almost abusive because yeah. he just eats all the time and sleeps. Right. So because on the show you don't see the working. Right. You just see that he's like, like the lazy guy yeah. and that Jeannie does all the work. So I think that what, why it wasn't weird for someone to play me is because I had gone through this process where at a certain point where I gave up on me playing me and I went through the whole year of like someone else playing me and I was behind the camera and I realized, oh my God, I can write better than I would ever be an actress. Right. And I, I want to be in this seat and not in front of the camera with everyone telling me what to do about what my life is. Exactly. I need to maintain yes. some control. So unless I was like executive producer, Head acting, yeah. directing, I mean, I, it's like, and, and I, by the way, I actually do have five kids. So when do I see them then? So there was the, a lot of stuff going on. So when Ashley Williams came in, she had like 10 her. backpacks and like, she like had a, you know, she was like, had went to a million auditions. She like put everything down. She was like uh, in front of the room, like fanning her armpits. And I'm like, I love her. Yeah. She came in the room, right energy, right. Quirky, yeah. flawed, cute. Yep. And I was like, I want you to play me. Did she, did, was this, I picked after, her. Did, did you know the minute she walked in the room? I knew very, it was Head and shoulders above any. And then she read, and you were like, "Oh my god!" Did you yeah, tell her right so then? Yeah, she's so cute. I know, no, I you her. can't do that. I know, but didn't you want to? I did, but it really yeah. was. I mean, it really was my decision because I could ding people, right? Like everyone could ding. look. I could. Well, 
That's a Jew bell. I know. I was kidding. You did the ding bell. I was just using it as a okay. ding bell. Okay, that's fine. I mean, it's your rules. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I could say everyone could love someone, and I could be like, I don't see it. You know, and also the people who I was dinging were um, b- amazing. Right. Like, there was a point when Laura Bonatti auditioned. Oh, my God. And she's, like, my hero. I love her. And I was like, that would be amazing. And, um, but it's, like, not me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, and actually then she was like, I just got a huge role in something else, so too bad, so yeah, sad. Yeah, take care. And then, I can't believe uh, I didn't audition else? for this because we're oh so Oh, my alike. God, you know who auditioned yeah. who was for the CBS one? Who? That was... Parker Posey. No way. I love her. I love her too. She's, she's so amazing. She's, she's amazing. And she, I was like, I would, if Parker Posey played Jeannie Gaffigan, it would be the coolest yes. thing ever. But that's a whole other story. Yeah. So it wasn't weird. Someone playing me. Did any was, of your friends audition? For me? Yeah. Um, I mean, friends is such a I know, strange word. in this business. Yeah, it's like people I knew, yeah, of course. And then were they, did they call you? Like, this is what I can't stand about. Were they like, hey, Jeannie, want to get some coffee? Yeah. But you know that they're trying to find out if they want, got the part. Or can they get in the room? That's a lot of, it's, can they get the audition? I never I see that. on breakdowns that you're casting for your show. Yeah. But the thing is, there's so many other people. That are and involved. It's also, yeah, and you yeah. can't. And also, you have to save your. You're going to take a bullet at some yes. point, so you have to like pick and choose your battles. You can't be like this person who hasn't called me in five years. Is, I'm going to take my battle. I'm going to go to battle for this person who, you know, you have to. Be, you want to be nice, right? And you want to give to tell the like. A lot of times, I would call the casting director and, and I'd say, because you don't see all the tapes. You see the tapes, they choose. So let's say 20 people. Yeah, they, yeah, they'll go on tape. They'll watch them. Like, literally, they could be like, oh, she looks like my mother-in-law. Bing. And you don't even and see them. you don't them. even know them. Yeah. So yeah. there have been times where people have been like, I just for your show and I didn't hear, hear anything. And, I'm, and I know that I never saw their tape. So I'll call the casting director and say, you know, can, you can, we, see, can we see this person because they, you know, they know my brother or whatever. And did you, they ever say, did you ever say, did they admit, oh, we had them and we didn't send you the tape? No, we just knew that. Like, it's just given. Wow. Like, we, they, it, their job is right. so we don't it's have just, to watch 100 tapes. I got you. So they're doing their job. But it's like. It's still annoying. They, someone could slip through the, the cracks and then someone could say, hey, my friend Joe Blow auditioned for your show and never heard anything. So then I could call the casting director and say, do you have the tape of uh, Joe Blow's audition? Yeah. And they're I love like, oh, Joe yeah. Blow. He is an incredible actor, Joe Blow. He definitely is. Yeah. Good at blowing. And Jane Doe is also amazing. Jane Doe. Yeah, Doe. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, a doe Now, now we're going to get to... I get sick. The ba 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 First of all, how did you meet Jim, by the way? Um, he lived on my block. He, I lived oh, on... I think I know this yeah, story. Yeah, it's in the book, too, yeah. by the way. Okay. Um... You don't have to go through the whole thing, but he lived on my block. I think it's on my last podcast. Yeah, we told the whole story. So listen to that old older podcast. Okay, so you decided not to do the Jim Gaffigan show anymore because you were not seeing your kids. Yeah, it was like it was it was emotionally like it's draining. It's like, and I did a couple episodes. You were like doing everything. I mean. Still pleasant, which I don't understand, but you you were on that set. You were writing. You were directing. You were producing. You were like, no, that shirt's wrong. I mean, it was. I was, I was pretty intense. Yeah. But you were still nice. Sometimes. No. Well, you were to me. So, you know, you decide, and I totally get that. You know, I my career, I have to say, definitely took a hit. With, but I would never give that time up with, that I had with my kids, ever. Right. That was the it's greatest. It's hard to explain yeah. to people. The whole thing is, is that there, there is definitely a balance because I, I do know that it's possible to produce like a, a amazing work and be uh, have an amazing family. But on that schedule, 
it was impossible. But it's impossible. I mean, I only had two kids, but I definitely, I definitely gave up a lot. I mean, I would get offered stuff. I'm like, no, they have. I'm not going to miss like their seventh grade or eighth grade graduation. Or I, I missed when I was doing the show. I missed all that stuff. Yeah, it's hard. It's heart wrenching. And also, there's like a hundred other people whose jobs depend on you. And you want yes. to employ actors too, and, and crew want, and everyone, and you yeah. don't want to disappoint them. And it was hard because I they also became my family, my work of course, family. Yeah, and it's I loved people everyone. Don't get that, like that when you're in involved in a show or a successful show, that is your family for all of those years. That's why, like all these guys and women, they go, "Oh, we're shooting a movie for a year in you know Norway," and then. They all fall in, oh, so-and-so fell in love. but Because they're in a fantasy land for, yeah. um, okay. But you saw that when you did our show, you saw that we were, like, we were a, a united group oh, of people. Yeah. And it, it helped the guest stars come in because they were, like, comfortable and we were all kind of, like. Oh, it was great. It was really upsetting when, and, oh, and then everyone's like, why do you think they, uh, they canceled? What do you think? And I said, because, probably because. Jeannie never sees her kid. I mean, that's really yeah. what I thought. Well, okay. also, I told him, I'm like, listen, for season three, if you want to get, because I I can function as a executive producer who comes in a couple times a week, you know, right? like how most executive producers are. But you need to find someone who you're comfortable because he's in every scene. Right. So who's going to be that third eye on our life, right? And making it real. Making it real yeah. and also not just being like, um, oh, here's a joke about the Pope because I'm Catholic. You know, it's like oh, there yeah, are really, really, really smart, funny writers in New York. But it, this is so personal yeah. that bringing in another point of view is sometimes could corrupt the original yes, idea. Yes, of course. And make it inauthentic. So okay. the so that year, instead of doing the third season, we, di- we decided to do uh, uh, another comedy special. Okay. And we did. And we moved the office here. Okay. And I decided to spend more time with my kids by putting my office in my home. And Where was the office before? And 57th Street. So you had to like schlep over there? Yeah. Okay. Like it was like you're going to work. It was our studios. Right. Like where we shot the show. Oh, we yes, had offices yes, I there. I was there. Yeah. So I played um, the Rachel Maddow thing. Yeah, that Remember? was amazing. That was, that was so season fun. one. That was season one, and then I was Judge Judy. That yeah, was Judge, so Judge funny. Judy was so good. So to kind of put things in perspective with the not seeing the kids and doing all the uh, writing and all that stuff, um, the last episode, which was an amazing episode, if you can and by the way, all the Jim Gaffigan Show episodes are available on iTunes. Um, Thank you very much. There's one called The Mike Gaffigan Show which I directed. It was the last episode of the second season, and it takes place in the 70s when Jim is a kid in Indiana. And so, and Jim plays his father, who's like a, you know, classic, like, you know, says, God damn, every right. sentence, always has a scotch in his hand, uh-huh. doesn't lift a finger around the house, right. yells at the kids. Yeah. And my son, Jack, plays young Jim. Jim. Yeah. Oh my God, that's Great. And it's 52 scenes. It was shot in, on a, like 52 a, yeah, scenes. 52 scenes. And it's a 22 minute show. And then it ends with it's a very, like, if you watch that, then you were like, okay, Jeannie Gaffigan is insane. You could see a snapshot on my mind because also I didn't know his dad, but I put together the entire production based on like a photo album. So wow. there's like real items from his childhood, Easter eggs. I, I'm really crazy, a crazy director. So I do really things that people, no one will ever know. Like stuff that's in the drawers that makes it more real for yes, me. Like crazy. Yes. So anyway, I sprained my foot on the first day of shooting the show. And I had, was like, well, the show must go on. I went to the set in Long Island. It was like the beach, the stairs, the, all this crazy stuff. And I asked my assistant to get me um, some crutches out of the props uh, truck and I didn't go to the doctor. So this was the kind like I never would go. I'm like, well, I can't, what well, I'm supposed to go to the doctor when I'm shooting a TV show. <laughs> so suffice it to say that that was my attitude. I don't take care of myself. I have to just You're do busy. all this stuff. Yeah. Right. 
So even though that was the case on the show, when I moved home, I didn't really like go into the spa or anything. I was still like running a house. Well, and, like, I mean, you have really five intense. kids. Not yes. like you're like, oh, I'm not working. I'm going to take a little and break. And I was like, I'm running this. Like when, when my kids got, had to get school uniforms, I'd be like, we're having a fitting in the wardrobe trailer. Like right. it was, it was still yeah. like running a show. I ran, I mothered like I produced. So I was still busy, but I was at the pediatrician's appointment with them and the uh, doctor um, Jewish doctor was um, tell, talking about the flu shots that I bring all five kids in the room so they can do all the forms because there's forms for camp and this and that. Yeah, oh, I so can't many take forms. it with the basketball because, you know, Ben plays basketball. It's, there are so many fucking forms. And if it's you like, said, why can't there just be one database form? And yeah, this, I, I have a chapter in the book about the forms. I can't. Five uh, kids, five kids times the forms. Uh, and if one thing is wrong, they send it back and you can't yeah. get into school or camp. It's insane. Or they can't go, they can't attend. They yeah. can't, it's so fucking annoying. I know. So I'm in the room, five kids, hundred forms. She's talking about, she's like, oh, she made a comment about how many kids were in the room and all the forms that it was like crazy. I'm like, this is like my house. And she's like, I think you all came in here in October or something. Right. And I said, yeah, we had the flu shot. And then she said, I said, but we all got the flu anyway. Like we talk like this, right? She and I are funny. And then she said something that I couldn't hear at all. Her mouth moved. And you couldn't hear it. And I couldn't hear it. So I turned my head and I said, could you say that again? And she said, well, I I said the flu shot really did work this year, but what, why, what's wrong with your ear? And I'm like, oh, I know. I noticed on a plane a couple months ago that my left ear just doesn't hear anything anymore. And she goes. A couple of months ago? Yeah. And she goes, what do you mean a couple months ago? And I go, well, I'm like, you know, you get reading glasses, you get a hearing aid. She goes, no. She's like, you know, I was like, I thought it was just getting old. Right. She's like, you don't just lose your hearing. <laughs> so she writes me a referral to an ENT. And I'm like, another appointment. And I you're thinking, uh, I'm not going. Yeah. But then she's yeah. like, I want you to follow up. Like, she's like the Jewish mother. Yeah. Good for so, her. So, um. Anyway, I finally eventually follow up. He can't see anything wrong. Is he Puts Jewish? Me a st- 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 you know what? I don't know. Not an obvious Jew. What's his probably. name? Uh, David. All right, let's give it to him. Okay. Okay. And um, anyway, so I come back, probably, just probably not like excessively Jewy. Yes. So um, where's, there's, you know, some doctors you're like, oh, you know, they have. I know. Some, they're yeah. like, oh, you come in. And, uh, yeah. This one's like, you know, I couldn't tell you or not. Okay. He's an under-the-radar Jew. I don't know what you call it. Is there a word for that? Uh, they're assimilated. Assim- very yeah. assimilated. Right. Yeah. There's a whole... The German Jews, by the way, are the ones that were, uh, you know, like to be a little more waspy and hide their Judaism. The germ German ones. Okay. Noted. Okay. So, anyway... Nothing he sees. So I come back and he, I'm just like, yes, Wait, okay, he here. Said, he looks at you, says nothing. And he gives me flow nays. He's like, maybe oh, you're yeah. right. And he looked in your ear. And he's like, I yeah. don't see anything. So he come back in a month. So now it's March. And he's like, you know, I'm like, I still can't hear. He goes, well, you know, every once in a while, like one in 10 million chance, there's a small like cyst or neuroma on your auditory canal, but we can only see it with an MRI. So I'm going to write you a prescription to go to this radiologist and get an MRI. I'm like, another appointment forms, you know? Yeah. So I go, I'm like, okay. And then I find out I can just walk in and give the forms. Yeah, and yeah. Wait. So and, it's yeah. not like you have to make an appointment. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it after drop off. Cause I, I, I don't like to come home and then leave again. I like to drop off. Yeah. I just, I write a whole thing in the book about how yeah. that's just give me an appointment at like 9am and I'm so happy because yeah. I have a full day. So anyway, I there's a whole thing where I go to where I get the MRI, and then I think I can't answer if I'm pregnant or not because I'm like I don't know I might be pregnant. Like I'm always look at me. Yeah, look, you see, I have five kids behind me. I um, might be I, pregnant. I don't know. Yeah. So I have to come back and like when I'm not pregnant, so I come back. And anyway, I get the MRI, 
And that's when I discovered that I have a massive brain tumor okay, that's no, going to kill me right, in like one so you second. Get, you go in, you get the MRI. Yeah. Are you by yourself? By myself. It was ticking off my to-do list. I okay. that, was that oh, like, oh, I'm getting the so MRI. Like, pick up the, you know, do yeah. a load of laundry, get the yeah. milk, MRI. MRI. And so you go in. Yeah. Do they have the mirror? Because they now have the mirror. In the in the machine? Yeah. You can now have a mirror in the MRI so you can look behind you so you don't think you're in a I, I've had those before, but yeah. I've, I've now I've had like 5,000 MRIs, yeah. but it was so, my first MRI. And they're so pleasant, too, the sound. They're banging. Yeah. And, oh, I did. Actually, that's when I started writing material about this is when I was in the tube because right. I'm like, this is the most bizarre. Like, I, and they're it's banging. Like, yeah. It's so It sounds weird. like they're trying, you, something went wrong and they're trying to break yeah. you out with a sledgehammer. Wait, so you're in there, you get out, does anyone say anything? No, but I see it in the guy's eyes. Ha- you did not. Because he's like, hey, I tell the whole story. It's like the best chapter yes. in the book. Where he's like, oh, because it's like so stupid that I'm getting an MRI. Like everyone else is like sick or old. And so I go in, I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's like, this robe looks good. I'm just like getting it yeah. done. Go, he's like, puts the contrast dye yeah. IV in my arm. He's like, hey, later you can leave this in and get a margarita. Ha, ha, ha. Uh-huh. Go in, like an hour later, I come out. He looks like he's looking at a corpse. And I go, what's wrong? He goes, nothing. He goes, your doctor will call you. But he changed his demeanor. Wow. So I go, am I paranoid? You know, because I tend to look on the bright side. Like, yeah. like it's nothing. It's like I'm just, I, I got more a focus on the fact that I want to please Dr. Hobbs and I even forgot why right. I was in the MRI. Like I'm following up, like my Jewish mother told me. Yeah. But I forgot why I was doing it. So anyway, so I go you home, leave there. I come and just in this being, room. P- being paranoid. You, yeah. ju- you think you're. You're like, uh, get your. Well, there's a, a whole thing feeling. where they don't want to tell me yeah. and they won't want to leave. And Wait, the, did you. So you leave there without knowing anything? Did you didn't call Jim and say the guy was weird I called after? Jim because they said, sit down, your doctor will call you. But I'm not in a doctor's office. I'm in a radiology center. I'm like, doctor will call me. He told me to follow up with him in two weeks. Yeah. And he'd give me the results of the rule out MRI. Right. So I sit there for a while. Then finally, I'm like, what am I sitting here for? My doctor's not going to call this place. At a certain point, I tell the lady, look, you um, are incorrect in saying that my doctor's going to call me here. Can I see where he said that? And I try to see her. Like, you know, you, you could never see their screen. Right. I know. And you're, I'm like creating my neck. I'm acting a little crazy because I'm like, I want to leave. Of course. I'll call him. And then so, so she's like, hold on, go sit down. And I kind of sit down and stare at her. Like, are you going to like fake that you're making a phone Did call? Did you see anything on the screen? Nothing. So then this lady in pink scrubs comes out of the back and she's like, uh, oh, you know, your, your doctor's in surgery. At, we called him just to make sure you could go, but he's going to call you later. And I'm like, what? so I called Jim. I'm like, I'm coming, I'm leaving. So I leave and I walk in this very room and I'm like, I'm worried about the way they, they were treating me. Right. And Jim didn't even know I was getting an MRI. Like, we, that's how little it was. <laughs> oh, my God. But, I mean, it's my so fault. So, that's not Jewish because, you know, when a Jew gets an MRI, it's like, who's going with you? Uh, you're getting an MRI? I'm like, oh, uh, uh. Okay, so. I just was, like, trying to, like, get it done. Because yes. it wasn't like I was getting an MRI because they found a lump. Yeah. They were like, it was just getting an MRI to rule out. out that something. Saying. Yeah, So, yeah. it's like, it was not, like, a big deal. Got you. So I was like, so um, I'm worried. And Jim's like, I'm sure, you know, it's nothing. Now he tells me that he was also worried, but we find this thing in our couple. And I've seen you do your little uh, comedy routine with your wife on Instagram. Yeah. And it's the same. There's good cop and hysterical cop. Right. And sometimes you switch roles. Yeah. But if one of you, if you're out till dinner. And one of you was like, what's wrong with that waitress? Is she mentally ill? Yeah. The other one will be like, maybe she had a bad day. Yes. Because if you're both like that, nobody, nobody yes. wants to be friends with yeah. you. So and it switches <laughs> roles yeah. a lot. All like the good time. cop, yeah. hysterical cop. It's a couple's survival instinct. Yes. So at the time, I was a little bit like, I'm afraid something's wrong with me because I have never seen someone change their personality that yeah. fast. And I'm kind of a, you know, I deal with people a lot of course so he's like it's nothing so but then like an hour later we were making a documentary by the way about 
the fact that we had no material and Jim booked a theater to film a comedy special. And he's like, this is going to be our challenge. We're Cause we just wrapped one. Right. He booked a theater and was like, we're going to write an hour before the date of the thing. Oh, and I go, MG. I, I'm like, we just filmed the special. Are you crazy? I'm like, I need a break. This is insane. Yeah. He's like, no, we're going to do it. And we're, and also we're going to make a film about how we're going to do it. Oh, oh my God. So, but it was kind of a really great idea. It so is. I'm like, oh, I hate you, Jim, but okay. So uh, we're making this documentary. I get a phone call. It's a doctor, the ENT, the ear guy. Yeah. And he goes, um, hi, no, are you sitting down? Yeah. He's like, I just want to let you know that I'm looking at your report here from your MRI. And it um, appears that you have a mass in your brain that is not really in my um, purview. Purview. Yeah. So I'm going to give you the names of some neurosurgeons. So I'm like, huh? You know, Jim's like just looking at me because he, he, my he hands are hear. shaking. He can't hear. So Wait, that's the conversation. Yeah, he was like, I, I'm out. You know, he's like, he was very nice, but he's but like, like, I, that's uh, not what it was. It wasn't your matter. ear. It wasn't your ear. Like, that was the thing. So, I mean, listen, this guy turns out to be a hero in the story oh, and later, okay. but, um, well, I hate him. It was, it was, it was pretty traumatic. So, I, I mean, I basically, I could tell that we could be here for 700 yeah. hours telling the story, but with every detail, but suffice to say, that's how I found out that I had like something wrong with me. Don't forget to tune in next week to just kill me now. Um, or, let's just kill me. Oh, don't forget to turn uh, for part two on just kill me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just kill me. No, 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 Judy no, Gold's no, just no, kill no, me. Just kill me now. Just kill me now. Ha, 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 ha.